This is Kenny and Heilprin on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. All right, it is Kenny and Heilprin. We are here on this glorious Thursday. It's raining, though I've not been out in the elements yet, but it, the weather's turning to spring, which makes me giddy. Zach, uh, Zach Heilprin is here, by the way. Hello, Zach. My name is on the show, so that's a, that's a good thing I'm here. Yeah. Well, I was going to go into a story about how a year ago yesterday I was golfing here in Madison and how that okay. made me sad because then I drove into work and there was snow. But then I realized that I hadn't introduced you yet. <laughs> well, get into that story because I'm sure everybody wants to hear it. No, that was the story. I was, I was oh, playing okay. golf a year ago today. All right. So well, hopefully we're getting all, there. It's a good thing I get all that golf in when you went on vacation last week or two weeks ago. It is. But there's me being a good host, introducing good my job. co-host. Good job. Welcome in, everybody. We are we're clearly not at Monks and Sun Prairie today. We'll be back there next week, only here in podcast form. Everyone subscribe, leave a review, do all those nice things so our bosses are happy. I I have a mea culpa to start the show, actually. Uh-oh. I was wrong. Our about, about what? We there's wide range we could be going here, Ben. Which where where, where are we going? I'm probably wrong about a lot of things. Our show one-year anniversary was not March 17th, which would be tomorrow. It was March 10th. As I said. You were right. So (laughs) I missed it. I'll pat myself on the back. Congratulations, though. Congratulations on a year. I wanted to make it clear to the people before they reached out and said, Ben, you're wrong. Look, I could see it on the podcast feed. Yeah, I I mean, I went back and looked at it. So I'm sure you did. Yeah, no, I mean, before the show, I'm saying, because I was thinking about it, um, and I'm like, oh, well, maybe that March 10th was like the the teaser episode that you put out there just so you could like put it, you know, uh, put the podcast actually on iTunes because you actually have to have some content on there for it to be picked up on iTunes. So um, I'm like, oh, maybe I just messed that up, but guess not. No, you were right. My bad. Mia culpa. Hand up. Mm-hmm. All good. So... We have some interesting stuff to get to. I have a thought about pressure on coaches, on Coach Fickle and Coach Guard. We're going to get to that a little bit later. We'll talk Wisconsin Bradley. I I wanted to start NCAA tournament. I know the Badgers aren't in it, but it's what's taking up everybody's brain space for the next couple weeks. I was in on the Bill Michaels show, and we were talking about March Madness. We got a live reaction to the Furman, not buzzer beater, but the Furman game winner, the Virginia disaster. Virginia implosion. I guess I'll start the show, Zach. Does that mean Tony Bennett can come to Wisconsin? (laughs) My question is, would you take what has happened at Virginia over the last five years or last six years over what's happened at Wisconsin the last six years? And I think the question, I think the easy answer is yes. Despite the fact that they are now three or I should say one in three or one in four in their last first round games, um, missed the tournament last year, went to the NIT last year. Became the first ever one seed to lose as a sixteen to a, to a sixteen, but then there's also that second year where uh, <laughs> they won a national title. So I think that 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 second that second year is kind of doing a lot of heavy lifting. But you would take that, right? One hundred percent over what Wisconsin over like yeah right. Uh, so I think there's a lot of people at Virginia like yeah he needs to move on. There's a lot of people upset with him. So it's kind of like. Fire grade guard, a little bit on, on steroids. 
but there's no national title. I mean, there's a national title there. Um, but apparently past success does not matter. So um, maybe they're at the, maybe they're on the same level. I don't know. I would take him. Right. We talk about would, Jim Leonard. When we yeah. talk about Jim Leonard being the coach of Wisconsin, I was all on board, but I didn't know that Luke Fickle would take the job. I wanted Leonard over Leipold. I wanted Leonard over some of the other alleged candidates. Tony I think Bennett I just take not Tony Luke Bennett Fickle. in general, but I'm not He's calling not. for guard's job. Luke Fickle is, I mean, Tony Bennett is not Luke Fickle. Let's like, I mean, let's be fair about that. Um, Luke Fickle is an up and coming coach. Tony Bennett is not that. Tony Bennett's an established, very good coach, right? Um, so it's, it'd be difficult for me to to compare the two. I view him more as just the option that I would prefer. He would be a guy, in theory, that I would be on board with having as the head coach of Wisconsin if something were to happen. But I don't want it to happen because he's not available. And these are this is a big what if that we don't really need to wade down. I know but it's I don't Virginia's I last, into it, but yeah. Virginia's last five years, they, they lose to the 16 seed, they win the national title with a lot of luck, by the way. I think it brings up an interesting point. Uh, but the years after that, I'll get to the point in a second. Then they miss the tournament, then they lose as a four seed to a 13 seed. They lost to Ohio. And then this year, uh, they lose to Furman. Oh, there was no tournament in 2020. So they missed it one out of the last, what is that, six years. It does kind of beg the whole discussion of leaving your only, uh, the only piece of your opinion on a coach, leaving that up to a extremely high variance event, right? The NCAA is, the, the tournament is crazy. And there are some coaches that are really impressively always seem to succeed in it. And they, they would be the blue blood coaches, but. There are also times where you may have a really good team and then crazy stuff happens in it. But it's tough because in the sport of college basketball, that is what the sport is, is the postseason, which is where that would be a little bit different from football, where most of what college football is, in my opinion, is the regular season. I just think it's weird. I think it's tough. Well, we have the guard conversation, and everybody brings up that he hasn't made the Sweet 16 in six or seven years. And I just think it's tough. You're, you're leaving your entire opinion of a coach to an extremely high variance event when what I see is more uh, like what causes what here, you know, what's more causal. I would say having great teams in the regular season more often, which Wisconsin's had under guard would lead them to more wins. It just hasn't happened. I guess we're doing the whole guard thing again. Yeah, we're doing that. So my let's bad. Let's not do that. Yeah. Let's All not right. Do that. Um, NCAA tournament. Any any early thoughts? Early joy that the music is back? Well, I think uh, yeah. I, I was just gonna say uh, I don't have a perfect bracket anymore, um, so that's that's a positive. Neither do uh, I. Yeah. No. I look. I had. Uh, I don't have. I didn't have Virginia going deep without Bennett Van, uh, Bennett Vanderplees. I didn't think. I thought that was a big loss for them. Them losing today. I mean, I had him beating Furman, but I didn't have him. I didn't have him winning the next game, so it didn't really matter. Um, my Utah State pick is getting torn up right now as Missouri can't miss from the three-point line. So oh, there, uh, yeah. So there, there are, there are certain things that uh, went my way this morning. Sometimes some, some didn't. It feels weird. I, I'll be honest. It feels weird 
to be sitting in my living room as opposed to be uh, sitting courtside somewhere. Uh, it's happened more times uh, than I'd like to talk about because obviously 2020, the tournament didn't happen. They didn't go in 2018. So um, it, it, it's not abnormal. And, and in 2021, obviously, it was in Indy and you couldn't really go anyway. So it's it's not like abnormal, but it, it does feel a little bit weird because – uh, this is the tournament's fully back on. Got to go last year in Milwaukee and, and the involvement of all that. But uh, yeah, it feels a little weird right now. The viewing experience like definitely like has. Oh, well, the viewing experience has stayed the same as as a couch sitter myself. But I can get that for the for people that like you that have gone to all the games when when they're there. Should should we do a? I I don't want to do a. What's your final four? But do, do you have it? Do you have a team that? <laughs> You want to call your shot on a team that that gets absolutely. to the final four? Maybe that's a lower seed because I have a one. Absolutely not. Um, because look, like I believe, like a seven seed has made it like six of the last seven years. There's some ridiculous stat that a, that a seed seven or lower has made it quite a, quite a bit. The lowest seed I have making it, and this hurts to say, is a five. And uh, that's lame. That, yeah, that would be Duke. Uh, I've Duke. Just the way that they're playing, that they they are my lowest seed at five to make it. The other one, Alabama, Xavier, and UCLA. And I knew UCLA is dealing with a little bit of an injury, um, but I kind of um, I, I think they're good enough to overcome the loss of Clark. But we'll see, we'll see. I I have a couple. I don't have any like Cinderella Cinderellas. Like I have Penn State making it to the Sweet Sixteen. I have them beating. I have them beating uh, Texas A and M and Texas. So uh, taking out the state of Texas, Charleston making it to the Sweet 16, uh, which now becomes a little bit easier because they're going to get Furman. If they beat if they beat San Diego State, they'll get Furman instead of uh, Virginia. So I kind of feel even better about that. But I don't have any like huge, huge, um, you know, upsets that would that would shake up the tournament. I don't have like a 14 beating a three or a 15 beating a two or anything like that. Listen, it's a new era, Duke. I'm I would be I would be almost thrilled if Duke won the national title this year. I want John Shire to have as much immediate success as possible so we could just bring it back and crap on Coach K. After <laughs> after the charade he brought well, obviously after the national title, but then the charade he brought us through last year. And then to yeah. lose to North Carolina, which was hilarious. Get retired oh. twice by North Carolina. If 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 John Shire can go win the national title this year, I I might proclaim him as a better coach, at least up yeah. and coming. We'll have the legacy yeah. discussion. But I have I have a six. I have Creighton. I don't know That's why. Not, well, you like the Big East. Apparently. Well, I watched a couple games of theirs oh, this year, and they have I this lied. big dude that's cool. Yeah. I, oh yeah. I lied about not having a fifteen or or anybody beating a two or a three. I lied about that. Um. I I picked against Marquette. Oh, you're stealing my thunder. That was my next comment. Yeah, I picked against Marquette in the first round. Listen, as a as a life would be hilarious. Mont Catamount fan, yeah. some are some are saying that that they should actually be the favorites in this game, given all some, the success they've saying, had of late. Yeah, I'm well, all in. I think they win it outright. Well, I mean, I I picked them to win it outright, so I mean, I didn't put my money on it, but uh, I certainly in the bracket. I did look. Uh, Marquette's a good team, very solid team. Won the Big East regular season, won the Big East conference, uh, or I should say, um, conference tournament. Very impressive. Big East isn't as good as 
perhaps uh, it has been when Villanova is actually good, but they want it. So you have to give them credit for it. I still don't trust them. And uh, I like Vermont, uh, what Vermont has done of late. You just, you just never know. So couldn't put myself into to picking Marquette to go deep. And so I'm going, yeah, I'm going with the Catamounts. I, I, I assume there aren't Marquette fans listening. No, that's no. the other part of this. It's um, we're all good. I don't think we have the Venn diagram, but it's hilarious because <laughs> they're already mad at the people that are mentioning how Vermont's good and throwing any shade at their team. They are frightened that they're going to lose. They well, kind of know I mean, that they are. This well, they weekend, haven't made it. I mean, they haven't made it out of the first. I mean, they haven't made it out of the first weekend since 2013. So, uh, and Shaka Smart does have a history of obviously very good tournament runs. When you think about VCU. And then some not so great uh, at Texas. So there's there's a little bit of history, some good, some bad when it comes to Shaka. Maybe as a higher seed, uh, you know, like eleven or twelve. What was he when they when they went to the Final Four? That VCU was eleven. I think they played in the first four and uh, went all the way to the Final Four. He as a uh, high seed or like a low seed, I guess. I mean, depending on which way you look at this. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. You know, ever since Shaka Smart watched me play a high school basketball oh, game, he has had absolutely no postseason success. <laughs> Which is food for thought. He he had all this great run, and then since then, since he watched me play, it's been it's been largely disappointing. Maybe I'm sure I'm sure that's coach, no, I'm sure that's Shaka, what he's thinking Shaka about. I'm sure, he's what he's thinking about it. What'd you say? Future who? Future. People have brought up, so some have gone through all the possible coaches that Wisconsin could hire after they fire guard, which, again, mm. I don't agree with. And Chaka Smart's on every list. So I have to well, shout I mean, that he, out. He did grow up in Oregon, so. It would, be, it would be hilarious to dance on Marquette if their coach were to leave, which, again, just, I don't want to happen. It would be funny. Uh. I don't see it happening. Yeah, we're we're getting bogged down in stuff that is just not. <laughs> I again, why do I? I really have to train myself here. It seems unlikely that would happen. Um, <laughs> not that it won't happen. It just seems unlikely. Yeah, it seemed unlikely that Clark would throw the ball to Furman and they would hit a three. My God, it's there were basketball. so many guys. There were so many people open. Yeah, that was so stupid. All right, let's yeah. uh, let's talk Badgers for a second here. They beat Bradley. Probably my favorite NIT game I've ever watched. 81 to 62. Badgers move on to face Liberty at 11 a.m. on Sunday at the Kohl Center. 43% from the field, 81 total points, 32% from three, only three turnovers. Stephen Crowell goes for 36. Was this, I, I know it stinks because it's the NIT, but genuinely, is this the best the Badgers have looked since the Thanksgiving tournament? Hmm. It's I mean it's up there. When you get 36 from Stephen Crowell, it kind of like <laughs> overshadows like anything else that happened in the game. They were he came and he played a great game and he got some contributions. Obviously, Max Klesman was was good again. And they they made a lot of, they took a lot of free throws. They made a lot of free throws in Stephen Crowell. Um I thought they were okay defensively. But yeah, I mean it's uh 
when your when your top two scorers and now they're not the, their top two scorers go a combined uh, three for eighteen from the floor, it's hard to sit here and say that that's the best the team has looked. They got carried by Stephen Crowell and, and Max Klesbit on offense and Connor Siegen making a lot of free throws. So I'm, I'm it's difficult for me to say that. What I will say is, you you thought there might be a chance, might be a chance that there would be little juice to the game, very little juice to the game. I mean, four thousand people saw it in the Colt Center. Um, and yet they played as hard as I think they've played probably since, I mean, they, they played really hard in the second half against Ohio state, but they played as hard as uh, I think they have in quite some time. And, uh, I wasn't necessarily expecting that based on what we had seen from them against Ohio state in a game that they desperately needed to win. They come out in this one and, uh, a game that really doesn't matter. And, uh, it didn't seem like it. So that to me is the, the biggest positive. I don't know if they played their best game since thanksgiving but um certainly the result was the best one you want to hear a padlock stat again a padlock padlock i brought it up on the show before but a notable college football media member named josh pate when he talks about games he talks about like if he had shown you a stat before the game happens and you could know that this stat was true you could be able to tell who won automatically whether it's third down efficiency, if it's Bama, Georgia, or turnovers are easy. But if a, a player, if a quarterback that usually turns it over plays great, things of that nature. Stats that pretty much decide games. And if you had if you had seen this stat before that I'm about to give, you would have known Wisconsin had won the game without seeing it before. 23 of 38 from the free throw line. That's obscene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 82%. About 15% higher than what they shot during the season. That's ridiculous. Not yeah. to mention getting there 38 times. But no, yes, they didn't get there. 82% of them. There were a couple their, things. They didn't get there 38 the, times. It was 23 of 38. It's 20, 28. 28. Excuse me. Excuse me. I wrote that down. Sorry, I, didn't, I, I know you don't like to be corrected, but I. I no, you're like right. That's a, that's you're a right. Uh, 23 of 28, which is still yep. obscene. And as many yeah, as a season high. I guess that makes the percentage a lot better. But yeah, 82.1. I see that percentage from the line. A couple of things from this game made me a little more angry about the regular season, not at anybody, just in general with how it all unfolded. Where Steven Crowell rips five of seven from three and everything goes in. I think back (laughs) to the Northwestern game where they needed that one three when he was at the top of the key. They shoot 23 of 28 from the free throw line. I think back to every game where that specifically cost them. It's like it all goes That's right in that one tough. game for the entire season. It doesn't. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, the Stephen Crawl thing is really hard to see because you're right. Northwestern game, top of the key, wide open, drill it. Against Ohio State, Ohio State was playing off of them. And, you know, why would they not? He was shooting in the 20s. Um, but he wasn't even looking at the rim against Ohio State. He was just looking to pass it. If I mean, if you have a big that's going to knock it down at not right three of you know five or seven, but at thirty five percent, thirty four, thirty five percent, that just makes it so much more difficult to guard you. And and for the most part, this year Wisconsin they didn't really have to step out and try and guard him from the outside. Um, so yes, his ability to hit from outside makes everything so much. So much better. Um, 
And Greg Gard said it after the game. And he, I think he actually said it. He told him this uh, after the season last year that uh, after Johnny left, that he was going to be the next all Big Ten player. Like he's the type of guy, he is has that skill. He's the next one that has is the all is next all Big Ten player. And that obviously didn't happen this year. He made strides, but you see the type of game he can have. He's not on Frank Kaminsky's level. He doesn't have the the guard skills, the ability to put the ball on the floor and and drive like Frank did. But he's got some really nice post moves and he has the ability to shoot it from the outside. And we saw that both that uh against Bradley. And what has to happen for him is it has to happen against good competition. Um, with other bigs that you know can match you size wise, and Bradley big, didn't have yep. that. Bradley didn't have that. Um, you know, we we've seen teams that have had that slow him down. I didn't think Ohio State had that, and and he was a, he was not able to stay on the floor. That those are the type of games that really you sit there and say, "Gosh, uh, you have to be better in that situation." Um, but look, he was great, and they found a way to win. And and yes, eighty two point one percent at the free throw line. Three turnovers. One's a season high, another's a season low, and it's why they're why they won that game by as much as they did. So when we think about momentum or what can be taken, obviously, you hope the momentum carries into Sunday first against Liberty, and then however many other games they have this season. When we talk about momentum, though, into next year, with with Corral, it feels like to me a lot of it is potential, where we see flashes of. Oh God, that's a that's a dynamic offensive weapon at, at every phase. Whether it's shooting like last night, whether it's earlier games this season when he was cooking at the rim, or or just a couple spurts where he just goes off for six eight points and then maybe struggles to to find a groove. It feels like potential. Where I'm with you, it it also feels like it happens against the teams without great bigs, and then when they really need him to to battle down low with obviously a conference with amazing big men, that's when it struggles. But I look at next season, it's it's like, okay, what if he can, if Greg Gard says, okay, Steven, go out, just cook, you know, shoot, go off. These teams are good, but they don't have big 10 bigs. What if he, he, he does this, confidence carries, he goes into next season, and he becomes Frank Kaminsky. He's never going to become Frank Kaminsky. Uh, sorry. It is unlikely he becomes Careful, Frank Kaminsky. Buddy. Yeah, it's unlikely because he doesn't have the guard skills that Frank did. He doesn't like he wasn't a guard growing up. Frank was Frank didn't hit his growth spurt until, until it was very late, very late. So he was a guard growing up, and you could tell because he was able to put the ball on the floor and drive for the basket. The next time Stephen Crowell does that, I feel like will be the first, and that's probably not accurate, but it feels like it'll be the first. So it feels unlikely he will become that type of player. But can he become on the level of some of the other bigs that they've had? Yes, definitely. Um, he's got that chance. He's got a chance to be an all Big Ten type of player, and we saw it the other night. We saw a reason why because he's he played the way that Greg Gard thinks he can play, and that is he's a great pa- <clears throat> he's a great passer. He's a great. Uh, he's he's got some nice moves around the basket, and he can step out and shoot it. And those three things at Wisconsin for a stretch big are exactly what you need. So it seems unlikely he'll ever develop into the type of player Frank was. So I'm not going to put that type of pressure on him, but he has a chance to be an all-Big Ten type of player. Frank Kaminsky was a a bit of an exaggeration, I will say. Okay, good. But the concept of a big jump, I think it's there was a significant jump into this year 
where we see yes. this potential now, but yep. then having that happen more consistently. I also think he could be aided by probably better guard play. When when Chucky Hepburn has been struggling, it, it felt like a lot of times this season when Chucky wasn't hitting shots, he also wasn't able maybe to draw as much attention, which would then, and maybe this is just the great big men that are in the conference. But when Steven Crow's down low and he's trying to work there, it, it just felt like there was a, a little more magnetization, if you will, to Crowell and Wall down low when the rest of the guys couldn't really hit shots oh, or be, yeah. be big threats. Definitely. Definitely. Teams teams that doubled, like I'll be surprised if Liberty doesn't double. Like they're not gonna why would you let them beat you? Um when Wisconsin's when 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 Chucky and when Connor are not shooting the ball well from the outside, which they haven't been of late. I mean, Northwestern forced it out of Stephen Crowell's hands. He's a very good passer. Um, and he can beat you that way. But I'd rather you beat me that way than just letting him have his way around the rim at seven foot if you don't have a guy that can match him. So I'd be surprised if, if Liberty doesn't. Uh, I guess we'll see. But he is he needs complimentary pieces around him. Frank had complimentary pieces around him. It wasn't. He was the national player of the year, but he also had a bunch of guys around him that could knock down shots and knock down shots on a regular basis and play on the most efficient offense in school history. Oh man. Uh, the most the most, the the most efficient the most efficient offense in the Ken Palm era in 2015. So again Oh, was it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. All the pick and pops. I like just putting Frank Kaminsky in a pick and roll with guys that were dynamic with the with the basketball that that does everything for him because that's what's well, it's how they got back. I mean, the 2015 Big Ten title game turned into a two-man game between him and uh, Bronson Koenig just exchanging threes. I mean, it was – that's what the offense turned into um, because th- they had that ability. He had that ability. Um, so – but, yes, uh, drawing attention is a good thing if you're a big. If you're if you're forced to to draw attention, then you should have guys around you that can uh, knock down shots. And Chucky and Connor, for the most part this season, knocked down shots. I mean, they were roughly they were both over forty percent from three for a large stretch of the year. Um, it's tailed off towards the end here, but they have that ability to make shots. But w- what we're talking about here is just really difficult because we don't know what the team is going to look like next year. And so to say that. He could become this or he can become that. We don't know who his teammates are going to be. It's very possible that there could be a significant turnover or there might not be any at all. That's why it's college basketball these days is so hard to talk about in March, not knowing what's going to happen in April or May. Well, nobody's transferred yet, which is good. The Badgers. Well, I mean, they're still playing. Liberty on Sunday morning, Liberty, who beat Villanova 62 57. I don't have a a big thought about Liberty University, except for the fact that Hugh Freeze coached that game from a hospital bed when he was the coach there. Yep, and that's probably it. Do you have a, Do you have any big thoughts on the Liberty Flames? Um, I'm just I'm wondering if like did they go to church before the game or after? Because that is a eleven. Yeah, you I mean, gotta you get think to- before. Right. And will they have time then to get to this? I mean, will they be very early service, right? To get there and then get over the coal center. Hmm. Um, I I imagine they probably have somebody that travels with them. So they probably don't have to go anywhere. But um, 
yeah, that's my one thought on Liberty. I mean, they, they honestly, a very good shooting team uh, from the outside. They not great inside, but great from the outside. They have at least, I want to say three of their four, four, three or four guys shooting 38 plus from, from three. So that is going to be a huge factor or a huge uh, thing for Wisconsin if they're going to win the game. But that's, I don't have a lot more on Liberty other than that. They are the number 46 team in Ken Palm. The Badgers are 68th, where we stand right now. So that's Sunday at 11. I, ho- I love, hope everybody love that it's 11. I love that it's 11. I hope everybody isn't too hungover on Sunday morning. I, I don't know if the students will even be back. If eh, spring they might ends. be. There will be more people. There will be more than 4,000 people there. I'll say that. Right. All right. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to the rest of of the tournament this weekend. And as we move along in the next couple of weeks, it's a fun time of year. I, I And this won't be the longest podcast episode in the world and everybody subscribe and leave a review and be good. I had a thought today cause, cause I don't think the NIT should have any bearing on the job Greg guard is doing, but when they lose, obviously the people will come out of the woodwork and call for his job. But, but I had a thought about pressure because I'm thinking about not how to tie Luke fickle and Greg guard together, but maybe what, similarities they could have entering next season. They're both at very different stages in their careers at Wisconsin. One of them, a first-year guy. One of them has been here for a while. They have probably somewhat different expectations, different excitement level, definitely, with football being through the roof. And, And we've talked about how this coming year probably has to be a successful year for Fickle to keep that momentum going on the recruiting trail and with fans and just on the field in general, not to mention the West might be gone after that. I was wondering, though, like, is it possible to to quantify how much pressure is on both of them? Not who is more, because that's a, that's a that'd be an easy answer to a more complicated question. But maybe how the pressure is different between what Greg Gard is going into and what Fickle's going into. Because for me, there's there's a lot of pressure on both but in completely different contexts. Do you want me to give my take on that? Or did you have a uh, one that you wanted to give my, my, my take on it is one guy. I don't want to be over dramatic, overly dramatic about it. Could, could be coaching for his job. Um, in Greg garden, according to some, I don't know if I necessarily feel that way, but, that's the type of pressure that maybe is on him. And Luke Fickle has put all the pressure. I mean, the pressure that Luke Fickle feels is totally generated by the excitement around the program. Um, the expectations I don't think are totally different for the two though. Right. Both of them, both, both football and basketball are expected to compete for big 10 championships. That's what his, that's what both guys bosses want. And I think it's what both fan bases want. So that I mean, those are the expectations are the same, but one is in his first year and people are so excited about what the potential for him is to be. And the other one has been around for a while. And while there's a large majority of this fan base that still believes in Greg guard, there's also a vocal minority that uh, has clearly believes that somebody else should be the coach. I don't think like there's nobody saying somebody else should be the coach of the football team right now. Right? Like there's, 
There might be Jim Leonard fans or Paul Chris fans, but I haven't seen them. So no one's saying that. So it's a little bit of different pressure that uh, that they're under and um, and a different feel around both of them as well, even though the expectations for both are the exact same. I think, yeah, ceiling expectations program-wise, I think if we talk realistic expectations for next season for both programs, for football team, I would say win the West. For basketball, I'd say comfortably make the tournament. Which kind of, if you equate the two, are, are, are similar, right? So I agree with you that that they're they're entering next season maybe with the same level, maybe with the same baseline level. But it's it's weird because because with guard, I don't think you can miss the tournament again. That's when the seat gets hot in theory. If you go out and have another bad year, miss the tournament again, that's when the, the discussions really rise. Because Chris McIntosh obviously has shown a propensity to to put his fingerprint on a program to move on from from coaches. There's a lot of work that has to be done to improve the roster, which is, I guess, somewhat pressure that those moves would have to work out, especially in the portal. And and the path is going to be tough. I I do look at guards future. I see some exciting recruiting, but the news that Nolan Winter was what Mr. Basketball in Minnesota, the state of I Minnesota. Think. Yeah, he's from Minnesota. Yeah. Yep. And and then there's the question of okay, was this year a bad team or was it an NCAA tournament team with crap luck? that just ran into some, that the ball didn't bounce the way. And it's probably somewhat, somewhat both, somewhere in the middle. With Fickle, right, like the fan excitement's crazy, and he has to continue it, and, and, the, and the promises are high and the path is easy. The biggest thing for Fickle, at least to me, is there's a lot of pressure on him that some of the hires, mainly Longo, that have been more out of the box, for those to work. Like if they go into next season and the offense just doesn't work at all for whatever reason, or they lose games because because of the offense's continued ineptitude. Where if you're going out of the box to make a hire, I think there's a lot of pressure on that specific aspect of the team working well. And I think it will, for the record. But there's some pressure even within the specific things that, that Fickle's done. Yeah, so the offense was horrible. Like, you're just oh, going to keep... low. You're just, I mean, like, you're going to keep the same... Like I. If it's not good, it's not good, but um, it wasn't good before. So I feel like it's one of those things. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Sorry. I'm a big fan of of new coaches giving them a year to, to get off the ground. In this scenario, in terms of fan thoughts around the program, it feels like it just has to start immediately. I guess that's what I'm saying. When it yeah, comes I mean, to it, offense. And it comes hit to the ground football. running. In general. Oh, definitely. So, if I look at the two together, obviously, Luke Fickle is starting his tenure, and he has to fulfill, begin to fulfill, show promise of all of all that was promised when he was hired. For guard, I guess it's returned to the sex, successful baseline that Wisconsin basketball has been at. But both are up, like, both have tremendous pressure on them next season. I guess that's the big point of, I, I was trying to wrap my head around driving in today. Where it's not like a it, like if you go back to Paul Christ and Greg Gard in twenty seventeen, I would say, before Gard had missed the tournament once, and Chris coming off a Big Ten title almost win against Penn State. Like if you go back to twenty seventeen, I don't think it's even close in the same realm of 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 anything. The pressure that the two guys will have on going into next year compared to back then. 
I mean, they were winners back then. Big winners back then, weren't they? Well, Luke Fickle is a winner, but he's new. Right, right. right. But I'm saying, like, you're talking about 2017. Is that what you're? I mean, you're you're referencing 2017 or 2019, even after Guard had missed a tournament. I, yeah, um, it's interesting. It's I mean, it, it's it's interesting how it all plays out. It's it's pressure, but it's different pressure on both of them. One, you know, is is an established coach here. And when you are an established coach and you've been here for a long time and you've had success, but also had some down years, you're going to, I don't want to say you're going to make enemies, but within a fan base, you're going to, you're going to find people that don't want you around anymore. Luke Fickle, after one year, I suspect there are going to be some people that, because that's just how it goes. Unless he takes, unless they go and do something they've never done before, you're always going to be like, yeah, I don't like this hire. This was a bad hire. This isn't going to work. Um, that's, that's college athletics. That's Wisconsin athletics. That's just sports in general. For sure. And the Macintosh thing is the most interesting because until there's a new AD, there's probably not going to be a new football coach. Just generally speaking. I think if the football coach doesn't work out, then the AD won't be right. That's what I mean. doesn't work out either. Yeah. Yeah. He tied himself to it. He tied himself to it. Now he's going to tie himself to a, a hockey coach. And, um, you know, if he doesn't, if he were to move on from Greg Garden at some point down the road, he'd tie himself to a basketball coach. And, but I think the football one, if it fails, is by far the one that would decide his 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 tenure. Right. Whether it's whether it's successful or not. Yeah, with where just, football is. Yeah, just like Pat Richter. Pat Richter did so much for the university and for the athletic department. And yet the thing that we all judge him on is football and the hire of Barry Alvarez. Uh, overall, I would say though, if, if we look at next season and say, what will alleviate the pressure, which I guess we can end with, I'd say, I mean, fickle winning the West beating Minnesota would do more than enough. Take away whatever happens next to keep the same energy going into the next season. And Greg Gard next year returning to top six, top five in the conference, making making the tournament comfortably, and then hopefully winning a tournament game or two and showing promise with young guys and transfers. I think that would alleviate it as well. Would you throw anything else in there? Mm. I mean, competing for the Big Ten title is is the standard that he set. I mean, it's a standard that Wisconsin set under Bo Ryan. And the comparisons are unfair because that's the best coach that's ever been at Wisconsin. And the best coach, I believe, I don't know this for sure, so I'm not saying never, that they'll never have a coach better than Bo Ryan. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's going to be very, very difficult to top what he did over his tenure and all those top four finishes and always seemingly in the conversation for the Big Ten title. Um, but yeah, compete for big 10 titles. Cause that's what, that is what, um, Chris McIntosh has said that they expect out of their programs is to compete for, uh, championships, big 10 championships. So I think, I mean, yeah, being in the top six is great, but compete for the title. That's what you're, you're supposed to do at Wisconsin. It's what he's did two of the last four years, compete for the title, win the title. Um, a year like th- this year is not acceptable. 
But um, so yeah, compete for a title and, and yeah, the Luke Fickle stuff, win the West and put yourself in position because uh, to win a, to win the big 10, because that's again, what you were hired to do. And we'll see if they actually have the ability to get done. Regard. I would, I think that's the standard and the expectation, but in terms of what alleviates all the pressure on him, but who's the pressure from? I think there, Where, where's there, the pressure from? There could be mounting pressure from above if another bad season happens. Okay, so but like, thing. okay, but like, what is Chris McIntosh's expectations for the program? It's to win, but but in terms of if if you look at to the win pressure what? meter, I think the pressure would be ramped down if they finish in the top five and they make the tournament comfortably and win a game or two. But being in the top five, uh, you know, maybe not this year, but in most years, you're relatively in the conversation for the Big Ten title then. Okay. All right. Well, then right? we – yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I All don't right. mean one or two. I mean top five, really good, comfortably in the tournament, what we'd all consider a good season, something that would ramp the meter down. While it five doesn't seat or better. live up to the, you know, the, the standard that, yes, he is set. Five-seat or better. Sure. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. I like that. Um, all right. Well, uh, actually, I real quick, I, I just went on Twitter, maybe unfortunately, and Grant Bills has tweeted that, uh, quote, I will not do a segment outlining how Tony Bennett could maybe be convinced to come to Wisconsin. I could, but I won't. There's some chatter out there now. Virginia gets upset. Um, just because Grant tweets something does not make it uh, chatter. No. No, but I find Spe- it funny. Well, of course you do. I find you and him are you and him are of like mind. You guys are are very similar. Um, so I'm not surprised that you kind of find it funny. It's um, like Tony Bennett coming to Wisconsin would be a national championship winning Tony Bennett, who, as we have chronicled, a lot of really bad tournament appearances, partially because yes. of how the team plays. That'd be like bringing in. Joe Flacco, Super Bowl winning quarterback. He's like but bringing in, expecting him to play at the Super Bowl level and not the level that's somewhat struggled at times. No, it's like Gene Chizik. That's mm. that's a that's a really low blow. Um, so I probably that's probably a bad one to use. Because <laughs> uh, Gene Chizik, yeah, Gene I mean he Chizik. won. He he got he got Cam Newton, so it's not really fair. Um, but won a national championship and then obviously has fallen off the face of the earth. Um, but Brian Billick won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. Got fired a few, what, four or five years later. Oh, Doug Peterson. Yes. There are there are plenty of examples of a coach who uh, was apparently good, won a national championship, also had some very de- lean, lean years. Tony Bennett hasn't had lean years necessarily. It's just been really bad tournament performances. Exactly. So Marty Schottenheimer, Marty Schottenheimer never won a never won a championship, but so many poor playoff performances that cost him his job, even when his regular season teams were really good. But Tony Bennett's a good coach. I don't I mean if Greg Gar were to step away tomorrow, which isn't gonna which I don't believe is going to happen. Um Tony Bennett would be a fabulous hire for Wisconsin. I love Tony Bennett. Yeah, I think he's an amazing coach. And in general, goes back to what I said earlier. I would I would first evaluate him on what he does in the whole season.
before what he does in one fluky tournament game, which has been a lot of success. Sometimes both are bad. Sometimes there's a really bad trend that happens in the tournament and things happen. But what, Iowa loses in the first round every year, second round every year. Fran McCaffrey, despite what you think about him, they've still had good seasons and good teams, right? He wins just barely enough to be able to deal with that ant with his antics. If it well, his antics add to it. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Like there's a difference. Don't I mean, let's not put Fran McCaffrey and Greg Gard in the same sentence when it comes to um job status and why like Iowa does this and does that. He no, that's not what bar- I mean to do. He wins barely enough to keep his job because his antics, no one should be putting up with his antics. And Gary Barta, I mean, as we've seen in a number of different areas, has failed at his job continuously um, when it comes to coaching and when it apparently comes to um, discipline um, and dealing with things within the athletic department there. But come on. If, That's if all what I mean if, to do. I, if, he I, missed, if he missed a tournament, like if he had, if he had Greg Gard, like if he had missed a tournament or two, he'd be gone. Uh, if Gary Barta, I mean, it, he should be. I mean, he would be gone. He wins just barely enough to keep his job. I I did not. I'm not mentioning McCaffrey in the same sentence as Gard. I, I was making a you just point about the sport and coaches and how a guy <laughs> like uh, the Tennessee uh, coach, what's his name, Barnes? Barnes. Yeah. They always lose in the first weekend, also, but they've also had good good seasons like they're they're good in the regular season they're bad in the tournament i'm making a broader proclamation about the sport where i don't just look at a school or a team or a coach that might suck in the tournament but ignore all the good they do during the regular season that's the general it was it was in support of tony bennett and of guard frankly look look the tournament results have not been great recently the, the sport is about march it is it, I mean, for coaches, it is legacy and all that. It's it's about March. You don't like. I hate saying this, but like Coach K didn't become Coach K because of what he did in the regular season. Did it because he won a bunch of national titles. So. And it's become more and more focused on March, I think, as things have come along, like when Bo first started, it like winning Big Ten titles. And I still think winning regular season Big Ten titles matter. And I think they matter in the Big Ten. I still think they matter in the Big Ten to Big Ten teams. Like they're fighting for that. It's it's very important. Uh, but the success you have in March is more. You get to hang a banner for winning a Big Ten title. I get that. But people remember your success in March more than they remember what you did in the regular season, fair or not. So regular seasons are great, but you need to show up in March. And that's the best coaches usually do. And, uh, Sometimes, but it, but as you said earlier, it's the tournament is so fickle, not Luke fickle, but like so it could go one way or the other just based on a bounce of a shot. It's, so there is a little there there is a little bit of a randomness thrown in there, but when you continually have randomness thrown in there, kind of like Tony Bennett has has had, sure. Then it then it feels you know there's a bit of a pattern. But right. again, I think Tony Bennett's a great coach. I would say that Coach K became Coach K because he had great March success. Also because a lot of – he had great teams that then also had March success. Well, I mean, one I, usually leads to the other. Yes, but that's what I'm trying to say when – so here's the crazy thing, real quick. Tony Bennett's national title run had some of the most fluky wins you would ever see. 
not like full luck, but some of the crazy shots and comebacks that they had where they had a steal well, that, or, or a weird bounce yeah, off a rebound. They beat Purdue with it. Yeah, I mean, Matt Painter still they beat Matt Auburn. Painter still hasn't crazy. Yeah, Matt Painter still hasn't. Yeah, they got fouled on a three-pointer. Um, Matt Painter still hasn't made a Final Four because of that. So, yes. And, and even when you win, obviously the result is what matters. But, yeah, his his coaching style probably isn't best fit for for March. So yeah, there's a lot because more Tony Bennett talk than I thought we would we would because have. there is a because there is a small margin of, of error when you play that system, just like Wisconsin, uh, when you it's don't similar, necessarily right. when you don't necessarily have the high scoring offense, you're counting on your defense, um, and you're hoping you're not going to have a bad shooting night and not throwing the ball away with four seconds left when you're up to oh, goodness. Yes. Oof. All Oof. right. Um, that's going to do it. A- any other, any other closing thoughts, except go catamounts. You could do it. Vermont only 10 point dogs. And I'm taking their money line tomorrow at one forty-five. Only 10 as a, as a, as a, as a 15, as a 15. That's crazy. Actually, Furman was only five point dogs against Virginia today. It's Virginia. Right. This right, is right. Marquette. This is the winner of the Big East, the high-flying Marquette Golden Eagles. Mm, Shaka, who lost to Wisconsin. With Shaka Smart. Uh, fist pumping all the way down the sideline. Oh, my Oof. God. People love that stuff. I know. It's hilarious. Can we, like, oh, I don't know if I should do this rant. Don't do it. I'm ready to go. Um, so. Grow up, I, people. But... <laughs> That's all I'll say. Like, grow up. Come on. Are we going to, like, he, oh, he's the best ever. Just because he jumps and fist pumps when they win? Come on. I think they may be crowning him the best, the best ever. Have some class. Have some class. All right. That's going to do it. Uh, everybody enjoy your weekend. We'll be back on Tuesday. See you.